Welcome to another episode of St. Joseph's Workshop. We invite you to join us today as we discuss the role of grandparents and the faith of the family. Welcome to St. Joseph's Workshop, building the church at home, a place where faith and family meet. Insight from a priest, a mother, and a whole bunch of others. I'm Emily Lugo. And I'm Father Stephen Ingram. Join us as we enter St. Joseph's Workshop. Today, my co-host, Father Stephen, is not able to be present for this podcast. However, I am excited to have Deacon Michael Hastings and his wife, Kathleen, join me to break open this topic. The two of them have five grandchildren, whom they describe as the joy of their lives. While they are both active in parish ministry, they see the role in the lives of their grandchildren as an important vocation as well. I can't wait to hear more about their story and learn from their wisdom. Deacon Michael and Kathleen, welcome. Thank you, Emily. We're very pleased to be here today. Thank you so much for this uh, opportunity to uh, share our faith and our story. Yes, our grandchildren are one of the great joys in our lives, and we want to be able to share with you our experiences so far and what we see as uh, a real opportunity to have an amazing influence on our grandchildren's lives as we share our faith, and we're just there for them, and how much, how important that is. Great. Well, before we dive into this topic, um, I would like to hear a little bit more about the two of you. Deacon Michael, you are newly ordained, but I understand from your vocation story that God started calling you over 20 years ago. So I'm curious if the two of you will share a little bit just about how you got to where you are here in this ministry and through your vocation story. Sure. Yes, uh, about 20 years ago, I started uh, the formation process up in the Lansing Diocese. And it, in the formation process there, I've learned it was much different than here in the Diocese of Dallas. The wives were not that involved. And it was also taking me away from my family and my interest in other ministries so, ironically, one cold February morning, I was looking out the window while being in class, and it was snowing and blowing, and I realized um, my wife and my children were at a um, single mom's center working with them, and I thought, no, that's where I should be And my calling. I said, this isn't the right time. So I discerned out. And over the 20 years, I kept having uh, the thoughts and perhaps a calling for the diaconate. When we were in marriage prep, we had a wonderful experience with um, our deacon at our church. And I had met a few more deacons. Didn't really quite understand what it was, but it, it kept coming back. So when we moved down here to Dallas, I thought, okay, this keeps coming back. I'll give the diaconate office a call. And I, and I did, and I left my name and phone number. And I was instructed to go and meet with a couple of the deacons at our, at our parish. Well, meeting with the deacons at our parish really never happened. And I didn't hear back from the deacons, uh, diaconate office. So I thought, okay, well, maybe that was just a thought. Maybe God's not calling me and kind of put that on the back burner. And we, Kathleen and I got very in, interested in Carmelite spirituality. And we'd just been on a retreat, a, a week-long retreat, learning about the different uh, writings of, of Carmelite spirituality. And when we're driving home, we said, okay, that's where we, we need to be. Let's try to become <clears throat> lay Carmelites. And we were that's, that's the path we thought God was taking us on. So we went and got our mail, and uh, while opening up the mail for the last week, there was a letter from the diocese there, and I thought, hmm, I guess we didn't pay our contribution on time for the uh, diocese appeal. So I said, Kathleen, I think this is for you, and she opened it up, and it was an invitation to go to the first deacon meeting that um, some of my um, and there it was. I've gone, whoa, where did that come from? And we went to the first meeting, and we said, okay, this, uh, 
this sounds good. And we went through the aspirancy part and there were things that touched me. It was a formation that would, Kathleen would have to be very involved with. It was a formation uh, of the person, of the intellect, the spirituality. And I thought, okay, this is worth going into to improve as a man, a husband, and a, as a child of God. So we said, okay, we'll keep, we'll keep going and we'll do it a, a week at a time, a week at a time, because it's, it'll be six and a half years before ordination. And then I would be praying to God, saying, well, I've, what, what's going on here? I've had all these experiences, a lot taken away from me, a lot of challenges, suffering, and so forth. What was the purpose? And the diaconate kept going through my mind that perhaps I was to give purpose for my life experiences through diaconate formation and to have Kathleen there so we could reflect back on the past and the present and the future together. And what happened in formation was three main things. Um, first, as a person, I, I learned to listen better. I learned to be docile. I learned, learned the importance of being, being presence for people. And I learned vulnerability, that a, a good deacon is one that's vulnerable but a, a good deacon is one that has joy and can share his stories in a vulnerable way and listen to people. That's when I started to really feel the calling because I could see the pieces of the puzzle being put together. Then the other thing that happened in formation was the experience that I had three years into the formation with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit started to infuse me and give me a humble confidence that I could truly help people, I could truly serve. And it just got, it grew from there and there. And then my practicums in the hospital and my, and my experience with just being mentored by men like Deacon Randy and Deacon Richard and John and then Father Cargo's encouragement, I realized something's going on here. God's calling me to something that that's bigger than me, and I could help people. And I just had that urge to help people. So Kathleen and I just kept con continuing on still week by week. Before you knew it, it was May 21st, and there Bishop Burns <laughs> was laying his hands on me, and um, here I am today. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I know our parish is so blessed to have you be here with us. And I am curious how Kathleen, um, like your experience of that, you know, you you started Deacon Michael saying 20 years ago up in your diocese, it was a different type of formation where the wives were not as involved. Um, so I'm just curious at that point, you know, did you, were you encouraging of that vocation? Did you feel like it was something for your family or was there any hesitancy in that whole process? Yes. Thank you, Emily. I, I've uh, always been encouraging of, of Michael and his vocation. Uh, i I'm open to God's will, and if God's calling Michael to the diaconate, which he, he did, uh, I want to be part of that, and I want to support it and support Michael in, in his vocation. Uh, I uh, was able to be alongside Michael during the six years of formation, and I think Michael touched on there's four, four aspects to formations, or four pillars they talk about, which is pastoral. That's relating to people and loving people as Jesus would. Intellectual, which is the, uh, the intellectual formation. We took classes at UD, and that was optional for the wives, but I love to learn about the faith. So I uh, walked alongside Mike during the intellectual or the, the, the formation at UD. And then there's also the spiritual and as Mike touched on, we learn about the Carmelite spirituality, Ignatian spirituality, Dominican spirituality, Franciscan spirituality. That way we can, um, we just know a little more about each of the spiritualities. And then there's the uh, personal formation, which is looking at ourselves, taking different assessments and finding out what, what are our strengths? What is the Holy Spirit? Uh, what are the gifts the Holy Spirit has given to us that we can use in, in building up? the people of God. 
And then uh, the final piece of formation, pastoral, intellectual, spiritual, and personal. So I think I touched on each of them. So uh, it was wonderful to see the wives. And, I, and one of the reasons they have the wives join the, the husbands, the de- deacon candidates, the de- deacon aspirants, and, uh, is because we, they want us to grow together. They don't want the, the husband to uh, grow far and leave the wife behind. So they, obviously their, their first vocation is marriage. So that has to be very strong going into the diaconate. And it is, it's strengthened, in fact, through the diaconate. So I was 100% behind Michael and uh, very supportive of him. Wonderful. Well, <clears throat> as we kind of transition a little bit into the topic, obviously, which is grandparents, um, and as you have grandchildren, it means that you have children. And so I'm curious, you know, tell us a little bit about your own family and your children, especially during this stage when you were in the diaconate formation. What was their response? Um, you know, again, was there support in that? Was it kind of a shock like, oh, my dad is going to be a deacon? Um, what was that whole family dynamic during that time? Well, both our children, Alex and Stephanie, they're, they're grown adults. And once we were really in the formation process, they'd already moved far away from us. Uh, our daughter, Stephanie, and her husband, Mike, live in Redlands, California, and my son and his wife live in Alexandria. They, they always knew I had an interest in serving, serving the church and to, to share and help in the church. And both of them at first thought, well, that's, that's quite, quite a lot of responsibility that, uh, do you have the energy? Do you have, um, the, the patience? (laughs) Do you have the tools? And that was their first reaction. And I think it was five years after formation, especially my daughter, she said, you've changed, Dad. You've changed. You're more at peace. You're more patient. You can listen better. You listen great. You just seem to really care about people. And she said, has that been the formation? And I thought about it for a little bit, and I said, yes, it must have been. So she saw the fruits of the formation, and Yes, she just, uh, she was over the moon. My son, during formation, was going through a very hard time in his life. But what my son experienced with Kathleen and I, when he went through this hard time in life, his first marriage fell apart. He had a lot of personal problems. And during that, Kathleen and I were always there for him. And for the grandchildren, we were, we would just drop everything. We literally would. We'd say we're flying out tonight when we talked to him in the morning. And he shared with me two things. And the, the big one was, I understand the prodigal son now. Hmm. And I didn't think you and mom would do all that you've done for me and for my children and get my life back, his personal life Professionally, he's an extremely successful man, extremely. But he is now a solid man. That's just, And he's coming back to his faith. He's coming back and seeing the important things in life. And he asked, he said, some of the tools, because that's the way he talks, where did you learn that? Because I don't remember that growing up with you, Dan. <laughs> and I said, well, I've been in formation. He said, well, I think that's good yeah, that formation's good for you, Dad. <laughs> you know, and I think that's one of the beautiful things about um, parents and grandparents specifically is that when we are parents, you're at a certain stage in life, you know, you're the sole responsibility for keeping your children alive, for providing for them the sleepless nights. Um, you know, you're, I guess, you're that first person who's basically not only catechizing them, but just helping them to become the people God created them to be. You have to put the discipline in, into them. But when your grandparents also, you know, you get to take the step back where you are seen as a person of authority um, and love and trust and confidence, but the way that you can love and be present is different, right? Um, 
So I, I think it's interesting to see, you know, your children's perspective on your formation and how you've grown through that. And of course, that's going to change the way that you love and support your own family and your grandchildren. Um, and so I want to jump into that. I think the role of grandparents is something that's so important. Many of our listeners um, are grandparents. And I know a lot of the tools that I normally give are, are focused on parents, be, just because that's the age and stage that I'm in life. But I recognize um, how important grandparents are. Um, actually, when I was a youth minister, a lot of times we would ask the children, um, you know, name one of the most significant people who played a, a part in your faith life. And more often than not, um, grandma in particular, the the grandmothers, um, were one of those people. And if people said grandfather, normally you could even see in that child just the leadership that they had, the role, because studies have shown just how important it is that there are male figures in the faith life of people. Um, but for many, it was the grandparents that had that role. You know, maybe they weren't necessarily, um, you know, the role of parents, which sometimes it could be more disciplinary and and kids like to rebel against that. But there's something about grandparents and the love they have that their faith and their wisdom can come through in just such a different way. And so I think it's really important. Um, I think everyone who's listening can probably stop and just think about their grandparents and maybe have or recall a specific memory of what they did in their life of faith. Like I know for myself, um, my grandma, my mima. Um, she definitely played an important role in my faith. I had it modeled at home, um, but I think her faith actually is what called me to make it my own. She loved to read about angels, and I guess I had never really given any thought to angels, and she had all of these different books that I remember one Christmas break just, you know, pulling them off the shelf and kind of reading through them and and then starting to wonder about that because I had never learned about angels in my CCD classes. So, you know, is that true? Is, does God really have people who are watching over us and the miraculous? And, um, and just her devotion. At night when we would go to sleep, she had a bottle of holy water by the side of her bed and um, that wasn't necessarily devotion we did in our family, but whenever we prayed with my grandma, we would bless ourselves with the holy water. So it's just these little things about her that really impacted me. Um, and I think that that's true across the board for all people. So I kind of want to delve into that because um, I feel like some grandparents don't necessarily even know the actual impact that they have on their grandchildren. Um, and so let's just kind of break that open. And, and maybe you can even talk to the difference that you feel as parents versus grandparents. Like how, how is that different as you try to show and pass on your faith to those that you love? And Kathleen, maybe you can kind of speak a little bit to that first. Sure. I'll, I'll start it out. Um, so when, when my grandchildren were born, I knew that I wanted to pass on my faith to them, that I was very intentional about that always thinking of ways that I could pass it on, always looking for opportunities. And so some of the things I've done is uh, get them books. Uh, uh, Deacon Michael and I always take them to Mass. But um, my my grandfather played an important role in my faith life. When we went to his house, he was a wheat farmer in Kansas. And we'd go into their house, a farmhouse, and they had all these religious icons around and um, that always inspired, that very much inspired me. And then one night I saw my grandpa uh, sitting beside, stand, uh, kneel, excuse me, kneeling beside the bed and praying. And I looked and watched him for, you know, probably a good minute because it struck me so, so much that his devotion to God and that made a lasting impression. So we as grandparents just have a tremendous um, ability to bring our faith to our grandchildren. And in fact, in Deuteronomy, um, we hear that we're supposed to pass our faith on to our children and grandchildren. That's that's something we we should all endeavor to do. We uh, Michael and I recently uh, found a um, a apostolate called Grandly, and it just reinforced both of our uh, intention to bring the faith to to our grandchildren. And in Grandly. Uh, they talk about, they give, they give a lot of hope for grandparents. So if you're a grandparent out there, I know I've talked to many, many grandparents in the parish that want to pass the faith on to the, to their grandchildren. But uh, Granley just reinforces that. And, and one of the things that sticks in my mind, uh, how important it is, is Granley says, one of your, the most important things you'll do in your life may very well be ahead of you. And that is passing on your faith to your grandchildren. So that's um, something we need to keep in the back of our mind that uh, we have we have a unique 
opportunity in that we, we have time, we have wisdom. We may not be super tech savvy, but we can learn and uh, we can be there for our grandchildren as trusted, uh, trusted grandparents. I love that idea or that quote that you said about how the greatest thing that you did in this world may not be behind you, but ahead of you. So even, I know many people may think about that, you know, what's my legacy? What am I doing? You know, did I do what God asked me to do? But to put it that way, it really is beautiful to say, you know, you're right. Like maybe it's not what I did personally, but it's who I created and who I'm helping to form and maybe what God has in store for them. So that's beautiful. And that actually makes me think of something you mentioned earlier, Deacon Michael, about the scriptures. I don't know if you want to share a little bit about that, about St. Anne. And oh, yes. Yeah, before the broadcast began, I wanted to make sure St. Anne and Jacob, Jacob were part of the litany of the saints because I've reflected back on this, and I, I reflect and pray on our Blessed Mother's formation and her strength and her faith to say the fiat. Well, she got that from her parents. And you look at the beautiful prayer, the Magnificat, and then you look at the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, and you see a reflection of the Magnificat and Jesus's humanity about the poor and about struggles and about suffering. Well, he learned that and was learned, but was reinforced by his mother, as we see in the Magnificat, and his grandparents, Anna and Joachim. I just pray, and it's speculation, but there was influence there from the grandparents to our Lord. So it, it, it's part of the fabric of being faithful and also believing in, in God. It, it's it's a, a union, a multi-generational unit that's, that's very important and it's reinforcing. Now, can you tell me a little bit about, you know, being a parent and trying to pass on your faith to your children um, versus being a grandparent? What's the biggest difference there? And either one of you feel free to jump in and, and share about that. Well, well go ahead. Uh, with, with our children, we have more control. As, as grandparents, we defer to our, our grandchildren's parents. And so we try to uh, use every opportunity we can, but we have to respect the grandchildren's parents. We don't want to override them. Uh, with our children, we made sure they, we took them to Catholic school. We believed in Catholic school. And um, we also homeschooled for a time. So we were very very instrumental in their faith life. And then with our, our grandchildren are raised, being raised differently than our children, but there's always op- opportunity to bring, to bring God into their life. Every little opportunity. I was uh, thinking on one, one time we were all riding in the car, my uh, grand grandson, granddaughter, and then their parents and, and Deacon Michael and myself and Jack, who was four years old, he had hurt his hand. He got a scrape on his hand. And riding along in the car, he held up his hand and said, look, my hand's almost healed. And I said, oh, isn't that wonderful? How wonderful God makes our body that it heals itself. How beautiful is that? And so we could all sit back and think of the wonder and awe of God. So we just use every opportunity to to bring bring up God with our grandchildren. And we want to be strategic about it, and I'll go a little bit more into that later. Yeah. Um, well, grandkids are fun. <laughs> <laughs> Bottom line, they're, they're again a joy. Kids are the, the biggest thing we do in our lives, the most important, and it's a lot of responsibility. So sometimes. You don't have that spontaneous fun. Yeah. You've got to keep them on track and what have you. But as a grandparent, you also now have experience of what it was to be a parent. And as you did a lot of good things, you also made mistakes. So you you go there wiser and more gentle and more open t- to listening and trying to understand what's going in their minds and so forth. So... It, 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 
grandparents have the name grand because they are, a, with their experience, their wisdom, their potential at that point, they, they have something that parents can't offer, their school teachers can't offer, their pastor. They have this unconditional love of somebody who is there for them and listens. But now we have to be have some strategy to it and always when you're with our ch- grandchildren always have God in our f- poor mind and to be able to present situations and uh, circumstances with the lens of faith and it's and if you do that it's very simple and they they like to hear that message because they know it's a message of love of hope and I just like watching their wheels spin when I talk about God um let me give you a couple of examples where Kathleen and I were with our five grandkids in D.C., and it wasn't something I wanted to do because it's really, that D.C. is a very difficult town to get to and to keep track of five kids and so forth. But we went, and I prayed to, to the Holy Spirit. I said, let me, let me be attentive and have God there when it was the right time. Well, we were at the Lincoln Memorial. We watched a flight of veterans from the Korean War, and we went to the Martin Luther King Memorial. All three situations, when I, they asked, what's, what's this about? What are they doing? I could easily bring in God and the faith and connect the dots and they were seeing how God worked in Abraham Lincoln's life, how God worked in these veterans that gave people freedom in Korea to worship. And then the icon, Martin Luther King, as I said to one of my granddaughters, well, why do you think he's so special, Grandpa? I said, because he loved people from the time they were just little babies inside their mom's womb until they passed on. And he loved all people, people of different races, nationalities. He looked at everybody as a child of God. And she said, oh, that's pretty cool. So something as simple as that, you, you put those seeds, and they'll, they'll nourish and they'll grow. I love that. I guess one of the, the main things I'm hearing, you know, while their intentionality is at the heart of it, both as a parent and as a grandparent, um, as a grandparent, it's almost, it's more subtle. What, and as you're saying, just taking every moment to kind of infuse God and infuse your faith into that. Um, even Kathleen, just, you know, your grandfather, when you watched him kneel down to pray, it wasn't as if he was intentionally doing that for you to see. It was just a part of his life, but it really struck you. So I think that's really beautiful about grandparents and, and the ability that we have to pass on the faith. And, um, you know, as a staff member here at the church, you definitely see the role of grandparents in the faith. I mean, oftentimes it's the grandparents who are encouraging their children to baptize their grandchildren. Um, you know, it's like, and again, not that that's a, that's a good thing. You know, sometimes for many people who kind of fall away from the church or they're just, even as young adults still questioning, that role of the grandparent is vital for bringing their children back, for helping raise the importance of the sacraments. Um, I remember in college, I even had a a college professor who we were talking at the time about um, the baptism and the Trinity. And she was, that was the first time that I heard that people, anyone can baptize. You don't have to be a clergy member or a priest. And she actually was talking about how you would oftentimes see grandparents (laughs) with their grandchildren at the church at the back, um, baptizing them because it's something that was so important. Um, So I, I do think that role is really something to think about and to consider. I mean, oftentimes in marriages nowadays, I think the statistic uh, used to be, you know, one in um, 50% of marriages end in divorce. And you can see that here in the church, many of the, of the relationships that are broken, the families that are struggling, oftentimes the faith of the parents are really shaken. And it's the grandparents that step in and, and are the ones who are registering their children for faith formation class. Um, you know, we have many people who will reach out to us. And of course, we always, as you mentioned, Kathleen, we have to refer back to the parent and uh, ensure that we have their permission to register the children. But it's something that is there, whether intentional or that specific, you know, getting them the sacraments or just that loving encouragement. Um, and, you know, even I, I think about my own parents who are grandchildren, you know, grandparents to 
all of um, my nieces and nephews and my own children. And I think it's so interesting to see how the man, the manner in which they're passing on their faith is different. Um, and it's subtle in some ways. They love books. You mentioned books, Kathleen. My, my dad loves to give gift books to all the grandchildren. And oftentimes, um, more than not, they're religious in nature, spiritual children's picture books, beautiful, you know, a rewriting of the Psalms, but in a way that the kids can understand. And, um, and that's a constant that my kids see, um, that they know that their grandparents are getting it and whether they ask their grandma and grandpa to read it or those who are learning to read, want to sit down and proudly show them, look, I, I'm learning how to read. Let me read this book to you that you got me, you know, little things like that, I think make a big a big difference. And even just the witness of their life. Um, my mom is still very active in the church where they live and she actually leads children's liturgy of the word. And so it's really fun whenever they get to have, you know, spend the night at grandma and grandpa's house. It's not a vacation from mass, you know, they know, okay, we're going to mass with grandma and grandpa. And then to be able to even see their grandma in that role. I think that's so beautiful. I love having that just to reinforce, to see not only is it important to mom and dad, this faith, but it's something that, you know, touches the hearts of our grandparents as well. So just little things and and the way that you interact with your grandchildren, I think can really make such a big difference and help to reinforce that faith life. And I know Kathleen, you mentioned that there's some intentional things that you had kind of thought about. Maybe we can talk about that and actually um, share some of those ideas for how grandparents can get into the lives of, of their grandchildren and just be more intentional. Yes. Yes, Emily. Um, in Grandly, they talk about being an intentional grandparent, which is we intend to pass the faith on to our, our grandchildren. But going one step beyond that is being a strategic grandparent. That means having a plan, having a strategy, not just let it happen to, uh, happenstance. So uh, one of the uh, one of the things that, you, that we must consider is the age of the grandchildren. We can do things with younger children, like reading them bedtime stories and um, talking about God before bed and praying before meals. And then as they get a little older, the, the teen years, the middle school, the teen years, uh, one, of the th- one of the examples that uh, the founder of, of Granley talks about is he'd go golfing with uh, this um, friend of his who was um, – who is an executive, and the friend would say, okay, so my grandson Joe is uh, getting to be uh, 14. I think he's ready for a retreat. Can you recommend uh, a good retreat to, that I can give him information on? Or my uh, my granddaughter is getting to be 16, 17. I think it's time, you know, she really look at a vocation just to see what it's like so she can consider it. Do you have any, you know, come see weekends that I could send my, or, you know, I could send to my granddaughter or to suggest she go there. So it, it does depend on the age, and but we should always be looking for ways to, uh, to augment their faith life. And one of the things that I do is, uh, Deacon Michael and I do, is our, as Michael mentioned, our um, daughter lives in California, our son lives in Virginia. So what I'll do is I'll look at their local Catholic churches, and I'll read the bulletin, and I'll see if there's something interesting that they might like, and I'll email it and say, oh, look what's going on at your local church. Um, that's, you know, parents are so busy nowadays, it's, and there's so much going on that if we can help that way, bring, you know, bring to their attention some good activities. The other um, thing when praying that I, I really like this, and, and we did this with our uh children, we would pray the rosary, and we would always ask for their intentions. And by doing that, we became aware of what was form, first and foremost on their mind. And we, we should do the same with our grandchildren and say, you know, if we, we can call them or we can text them and say, I'm praying for you, what would you like me to pray for? And they could say, well, you know, uh, uh, Jessica at school is having a rough time. Her parents are not happy or, you know, so then I'll keep Jessica in my prayers. And that is twofold. One, you're praying for something specific. And then also you're learning about what's going on in your granddaughter's, your grandson's life. And that helps your prayer become more strategic as well. When we're praying, we, we, ask, our, we ask grandparents, do you pray for your, your grandchildren? Oh, yes, yes, we pray, we pray. But do we really pray? Are we strategic about prayers? Do we know what to pray for? And do we pray often? Um, 
grandchildren and children of today have so many challenges that we we didn't face with social media and the fast-paced world so much faster than than grandparents grew up in. Uh, so they do have different challenges. So um, keeping that in mind and just being there to pray, pray for different things. I think those are some really great ideas. Um, <clears throat> you know, I have had people also do the same that you, that thing that you talked about, gifting a mission trip or gifting, you know, the cost of a conference to someone, um, you know, even godparents can do that. Grandparents can do that. And, and it made me actually think not just, you know, paying for them to go and have this experience, which can be beautiful, but, you know, I even wonder if it's possible via location and where your grandchildren live, if they live locally, even getting involved with some of the things that they're getting involved with. Um, when I was in youth ministry, we had a, a wonderful volunteer who, um, Grandma is what everyone called her. She didn't have any grandchildren in the program, but we definitely had this intergenerational um, acceptance of volunteers because at all ages and stages, the wisdom that we can share with the kids just make a different impact. And um, she was wonderful. She would come. Sometimes she would have baked goods for the kids. They all loved her and and um, would just the way that they would talk to her you know, in a way, you know, asking her for advice because of the wisdom that she had. And she was just very loving and supportive um, in everything that she did. And so, you know, I even wonder if your grandchildren lived closely and they were at youth group, I don't think that they would be embarrassed if grandma wanted to come with a batch of homemade cookies and help participate. And just those relationships, that's something that I think is really beautiful is um, that one-on-one relationship. If you have the ability to be intentional with that, especially if you have a lot of grandchildren, um, taking time maybe one at a time to do something special with them. Um, you know, my husband and I try to do that with our kids, being intentional about having one-on-one dates, you know, with dad so he can get out and talk to them and give them more attention. But even as grandparents, to be able to do that with your grandchildren, because one of the things that you're doing is you're just building up that relationship. They're building up the trust that they have in you. And so that maybe, and especially if you enter into, um, you know, asking them specifically for those prayer requests, Kathleen, like you mentioned, and you're getting to know more about their life and what they're facing, then you kind of become this person that they can come to when they are in a tough spot. Um, and they know, okay, you know, my grandma really likes to listen to me. She asked me about this, and maybe I can maybe I can feel her out for what she thinks about this circumstance. And, um, you know, we're kind of strategically putting ourselves in a place where they can come and turn to someone of faith when they have a problem rather than, just going to their peers where they may get a response that is nothing, um, you know, in accordance with the faith that we teach. So I love that idea, just being intentional and being present and building up those relationships. As a deacon, um, Deacon Michael, have you noticed any anything different with the way that you interact with your grandchildren or the way that they see you? Have they seen you officiate in your role in mass? And what are their, their thoughts or perspective on that? Um, yes, yes, they have. And I, I would say the seven-year-old granddaughters, they, they, they were awed, and they didn't quite put everything together. And their response is, "You do that every weekend?" I say, "Yes," and they're awesome, awesome. And they said, "Penny said, do you pray for me when you're on the altar?" And I said, "I'll make sure I do." Because that's one of the beautiful things about being a deacon is being that close to Jesus during Mass and the prayers. You just feel the, the Holy Spirit. So I've made it a point with all my grandkids and my kids that I pray for them every Mass. And if I'm doing more than one Mass, I'm giving up a Mass for my, my kids and my grandkids. So um, uh, no, I'm just just grandpa to them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Deacon Michael. I'm just grandpa yeah. to him, and that's just so wonderful. Have you have you been able to be, you know, like a, I don't know how, the, the age range of your grandchildren, mm-hmm. you know, if any of them are celebrating a sacrament, have you been able to preside or celebrate at that? Not yet, but there's plans for one, nice. uh, baptism. Yes, yes. So uh, I'm really, I'm looking forward to that. Um, well, my, my son remarried, but the way it worked out with his annulment, he had a um, secular marriage. And they asked me to give a reflection. And that was quite an honor because I was able to reflect it in what love really is. And and I did it as a father and versus being a deacon. But 
my formation training allowed me to give a good message. And it was one that touched a lot of people. And I also wonder how have the two of you and your own faith life changed um, being grandparents? Like have, has that relationship with your grandchildren or just the way that you see them, has that affected you and your, your growth or your relationship with God at all? Yes. I'm, I, when, when we were active in the pro-life movement, I always thought, okay, if I'm going to stand up for something, be a disciple of Christ, I have to be as, I have to be as holy as I can. I have to be close to, to Jesus. I have to be open to the Holy Spirit. I have to know the love of the God, the father. And that's very much the same being a grandparent. We want to be as close to Jesus as we can so that we can imitate him with our grandchildren and to just have that love pour out of us and into our grandchildren because they they understand love. They, they're naturally drawn to the Trinity. They may not know that big word, but they God puts that in. He writes that on our hearts. So we're all drawn to that. So the, the more holy I can be as a grandmother, and, I'm, and I've got a long way to go, believe me, <laughs> but the more holy I can be, the more I can I can. Uh, let Jesus flow through me into my grandchildren's life and the more the Holy Spirit can work in their life. So for me, just trying to increase, uh, you know, increase that closeness with Jesus through the sacraments, through prayer, a lot of prayer and more prayer. Yes, prayer. That's one of my favorite tools that I will say often, um, you know, and it kind of makes me think of that whole image of having the life mask. You know, if you're on an airplane that mm. is going down or is hitting turbulence, they always tell you to put on your own oxygen mask before you help others because we can't give what we don't have. Um, so I think that is something that is really important. And it kind of goes back to that whole thing that a lot of the conversations that you may end up having with your grandchildren, it may not be let me give you this catechetical lesson. No, it's going to be, you're going to be sharing stories about your childhood or about different situations back in my day, but you can infuse that with the wisdom that you've learned, the love of God. Um, and it's just going to shine through, you know, your words and touch them. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I think is really important as grandparents, um, many grandparents love to give gifts. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, more so than just even, you know, like Christmas or birthdays is, those celebrating those sacraments that we mentioned before, you know, when you have a first communion, even first reconciliation to give them something symbolic of that, to let them know that those are special milestones that they have, that you're praying for them in their relationship with God, um, confirmation. I just think that you can really take those milestone moments in their lives and make them really special. Um, you know, and I mentioned my own dad who loves to give gifts and books and in particular, and I believe you guys also talked about, you know, when you are thinking about Christmas, like maybe we can be more intentional with some of the things that we're giving. So maybe you can talk a little bit about that since we are getting close to the Christmas season and maybe we can help people take that first step towards intentionality and in Christian gift giving. I mentioned that earlier this morning. Um, yes, if we, if we gravitate towards Catholic gifts. A good website to go to would be Catholic Marketing, and they have great ideas. Uh, they, they're going to have a Santa workshop here uh, in the Dallas area with plenty of gifts for children and activities for children. But anytime we can keep Christ in Christmas, because we're already being marketed the idea of the holidays, but the focus is, of course, on, on Christ, that that would be a strategy, that all, all gifts are um, religious-based. Uh, when Kathleen and I were raising our kids, our Christmas presents to each other would, would be Catholic art, Catholic icons. So that perhaps just seeing uh, you give your children a Catholic icon, such as a crucifix, uh, a beautiful painting of Mary, and that gets put up in their house, then the children will see the presence of God in art and will have that on their mind. Uh, when our grandchildren walk into our apartment, every room has a crucifix, every room has a couple of beautiful paintings, and I've, I've watched my kids look at, my grandkids look at the crucifix and ask me questions. I've, or they'll look at a Marian or a saint, what's that saint, Grandpa? And that just opens the door for conversation. So that's the beauty of art, the beauty of literature. 
we need to be giving that to our to our grandkids and also to our kids because that that all's all in, interconnected. All right. Well, it's just about that time that we need to jump into our tools. But before we do, did you, Kathleen or Deacon Michael, did you have any other um, things that you wanted to touch base on before we jump into some of those action items? Um, I, I did want to bring up one analogy that I thought was helpful from Grand, Grandly again. Um, we discussed there's so much going on in the world. Our grandchildren have so many different um inputs from media, from parents, teachers, pastors, grandparents, we're not going to beat the world. We're not going to be able to beat the culture. But what we can do is take take what, take what from there all that's good and expound on that. And uh, Mike Shaughnessy, who's the director of Granley, describes it this way. The, the Metrodome, I don't know if it's still this way, but uh, in Minneapolis used to be where it was open, but it had like a hole at the top. So there was positive energy that kept the Metrodome, you know, uh, open as a ceiling and didn't let any of the negative elements in. So if we can build any, the analogy is if we can build positivity and relation and relationships with Christ in our children's lives, we can give them kind of that shield to help keep the, the negative out. The negative is not ever going to be completely out, but we just want to put as much positive in there as we can to keep that negative out. And Kathleen, you've mentioned Grandly a couple of times um, about strategic or intentional grandparenting. Is this a resource that people who are listening, if they want to go deeper and try to get more intentional, is this something that they can find online or how can they learn more about that? Uh, yes, it is online. It's uh, The address is grandly.org and they have seminar, a, a seminar you can, uh, I think there's five seminars and they have a book and um, it's, it's all common sense, but it's nice to, to have that reinforcement of we're doing something right when we're being strategic about grandparenting. It's just good to have that reinforcement. I think Deacon Michael is thinking of uh, one, one of the aspects is to have a, a group of grandparents that meet and share resources. Okay, how did you bring God into your grandchild's life? Because that way we don't have to think up strategic ideas all on our own, but we can share with others. So I think Deacon Michael is thinking of uh, bringing that here to St. Joe's. Yes. Uh, and also, as in all ministries and us coming together to worship, when we come together as community, we support each other, and we get to know each other, we pray for each other, and we need, as grandparents, to share our experiences so we can go out and become better, better grandparents, better just people of God. So we've offered several different types, um, strategies throughout this show, but I'm going to just highlight three. Um, as some actionable items for this week for those of you who are grandparents. First of all, um, regularly pray for your grandchildren and their relationship with God. And I know that Kathleen suggested that, you know, going deeper, being more specific, talking to them about their actual prayer needs and including those in your intentions or your rosary. So find a way that works for you and your prayer devotion, but make sure that you are praying for your grandchildren. Um, the next tool that I would like to offer is as a grandparent, especially if you have multiples, is try to find a way where you can do intentional one-on-ones um, that you can just take time to really get to know them. Again, based on their age, it could even just be going for ice cream, um, but just find a way that you can begin to build that relationship. And then the third tool that I want to offer that I didn't mention in this episode, um, I know that there were probably many people who are not grandparents, but they have grandparents. So if that is you, um, and if your grandparents are still alive, I would like you to just take some time to talk to them, um, especially if they played a role in your faith journey, to thank them for that and to just let them know what they did or how what they did for you in your life. I think it's so important just for that acknowledgement. So um, call your grandparents and tell them you love them and thank them for the role that they played in your faith. And um, any other tools that we want to offer for our listeners today? Uh, I have one other one. Uh, so we tend to worry sometimes for our grandchildren. Let's make that positive. When we start to worry, that should be a trigger right then and there to pray. Something as easy as I put... Um, penny in your hands, or I put Jack in your hands, Lord, 
or a Hail Mary. But let's make that worry into a trigger. Let's make it positive. Love that. Thank you, Kathleen. Deacon Michael, any other tools? No, I think I'm all set. (laughs) Pray, pray, pray. Yes, pray. Well, thank you both so much for coming, for sharing about your your story, your call to your vocation, Deacon Michael, and of course you, Kathleen, because you are a big part of that journey and um, just your role as grandparents. I, I really appreciate the wisdom that you bring and the ideas. I think there are a lot of really good ones in here, so I hope that they will help bear fruit for our listeners. And since Father Stephen is not here today, I did ask Deacon Michael if he would help to lead us in our concluding prayer. Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come to you, and we just give you thanks for the gift of life, the gifts of our family, our community. We also give praise for the gift of our children and our grandchildren, and we, we just pray that we're good stewards that we bring them to you. And may we ask for the saint's intercession as we pray to St. Joseph. Pray for us. Head of the Holy Family. Pray for, pray us. for us. Glory of the family life. Pray, pray for, for us. us. The cornerstone of families. Pray, pray for, for us. us. Protector of the Holy Church. Pray, pray for, for us. us. St. Mary. Pray, Pray for, for us. Anna and Joachim. Pray, Pray for us. O God, who in your inexpressible providence were pleased to choose St. Joseph as spouse of your most holy mother, grant, we pray, that we, who revere him as our protector on earth, may be worthy of his heavenly intercession who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Amen. May God Almighty bless us all in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to this episode of St. Joseph's Workshop. Remember, we are all a work in progress, so be sure to tune in next time to gain new tools to help you build the church at home.